I'm Paul Thorpe. I'm Charlie Keegan. I'm Barry Worthington, and this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Well, very cold evening on Friday, but we got ourselves through to the third round of the FA Cup with a decent enough victory away at York City. And I think the biggest challenge that evening was probably seeing through the fog. Non-league club, always a, a tricky fixture in the FA Cup, but come through it's okay, didn't we? Relatively unscathed. It was um, always going to be a tough one, I think, York. I think we said it in the preview. We kind of all expected them to sit with a lot of bodies behind the ball just because of a few injuries they had. And you're always going to get that with the non-league side. But it, it must have been really foggy as well for the TV commentators because I think they got every fact about Wigan Athletic wrong, I <laughs> they were saying all sorts they must not have been able to see the notes banana skin games aren't the games like that if you go in and be professional come away with a win everybody just goes yeah well done you did what you had to do whereas if you go in and get beat it becomes a big disaster Sean Maloney it's hit the nail on the head in, in his post-match interview they probably had the, the opening 10 or 12 minutes or so of the game but we came into it after that they had the game plan to make it difficult for us to, to break through but we could have been well we should have been a couple of goals up by half time shouldn't we we had some decent chances on another day we'd have gone in 2-0 at half time and the game would have been over quick run through the stats Latics had 62% of possession York 11 attempts on goal we had 13 York were 2 on target Latics had 5 corners uh, five for York, two for the Latics. Fouls committed by York City, 11. Wigan Athletic, five. York picked up three yellows. We didn't pick up any. Uh, the attendance is 6,613 with 1,200 uh, away supporters. Uh, as I mentioned, though, we didn't pick any bookings up, so nothing to report from there. The first thing that I'd like to mention from the game is the non-reg card of the goalkeeper. I think it's quite debatable, this, and I can see arguments both ways. Just to paint the picture, Jordan Jones has the ball out wide on the left. David Stockdale had come out of his area, tried to close him down. Jones tried to whip it round him. Uh, Stockdale deliberately handballed it. Referee Blue gave a direct free kick to Wigan Athletic. I'll be honest with you, I was waiting for the red card to come out, but a yellow one came out and it was a yellow card. So my question to you two, was that the correct decision? Or should this have been a red card? You, you've got to think it's the correct decision under today's rules. It, was a, it wasn't a shot that he's handled outside the area. It was an attempted cross. So it's not an obvious goal-scoring opportunity in that respect. Is any other player getting sent off for deliberate handball outside the box? No. Yeah, I think that's where the rules kind of do change a little. And I agree with Paul that if somebody had handled it there and it was a defender, it's not going to be a red card. But then... With the goalkeeper, then I think they can only send it off if it is the the obvious goal scoring. From the other angle, I don't think that he was actually trying to go for the goal. I think he was trying to cross it in, but it's it's one of those tricky calls for a referee. I mean, it's a little bit like the the one last time out where the, the defender brought down Lang. It's like, is it a yellow? Is it a red? I thought it was a red, but obviously he gave a yellow. And then this one, I thought it was a yellow and he gave a yellow, but I can see the argument for people wanting a red. The, the actual wording of the of the law says if a goalkeeper angles the ball outside his area and stops a promising situation from developing, and a direct free kick will be awarded and the keeper will be punished by a yellow card. If it stops an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, 
direct free kick awarded and the goalkeeper will be red carded. If we have players in the box and the goalkeeper isn't in the box, then surely if that ball's going into the box, we've got an obvious goal-scoring opportunity because there's no keeper in. If there are defenders in the box, it's not an obvious goal-scoring opportunity because they might get to it first. That's what I would argue makes it a promising situation, which I think was the words that you used. Stevie Humphreys, Omar Rakic played in. Stevie Humphreys, who rounded the keeper and, and slotted one away with his left peg. That was a nice goal, that one. I think that we needed something like that just because I think the whole game we tried to zip it through the midfield all the way to like the Charlie Hughes one through to Callum Lang was a was a good example of it. We just couldn't get space on the wings, couldn't get space in in the areas we needed to because I thought that Woodyard was really good at breaking up the play. And we needed a ball just to land over the top, a little bit like Jordan Jones is with Tom Pierce. This was a bit was a bit more fortunate, but they've obviously got a once Stephen Humphreys has picked the ball up, he's still got to put it in the back of the net. And it was a nice little round of the keeper and a slotted finish. I, I like that one. Yeah, it's one of those opportunities where you've got time to think about what you're going to do. Sometimes weighing up the ideas rather than just being instinctive can uh, throw you off a little bit. So yeah, fair play, Stevie Humphreys. So just keep calm. Right, like say, rounding the keeper and just slotting it home, no danger. He had a couple of opportunities in the first half, didn't he? And it just wouldn't wouldn't sit right for him. I mean, he, he hit one which cannoned off somebody, but there was also a couple of other chances in that first half as well. Thank you for example. I think he rounded the keeper there as well. And, and when he did get around him, I just wanted him to drill it across the goal because you never know who it's going to bounce off and go in. And sometimes when you, you ride and you look, you just want to smash it against somebody. A bit like the Jordan Jones one against Cheltenham where they turn it into their own goal. I was hoping he'd do that, but he seemed to try and cut it back and a little bit of a wasted chance, but obviously it didn't matter in the end, luckily. <laughs> yeah, that's the key, isn't it? All the wasted chances, they become, yeah, great, we created opportunities. We just didn't take them. You really bemoan that finishing when you're made to pay for it. When you walk away, going into the next round of the cup, doesn't matter. I think we looked a class above. But having said that, it, it shows once again that National League isn't a bad division. I mean, to, considering York City had five players missing and the 19th in the National League, I thought they put up a, a decent enough performance. And if they'd have had somebody else up front, I'm not knocking the striker because I know he's been there for a few years and he's been a really good servant for them. But if they'd have had somebody a little bit more clinical, he had that chance near the end, that header, he nearly hit the corner flag with that, didn't he? It's not a bad standard at all. And like Paul, you said, Paul, banana skins, and you've got to avoid them. Like you were saying, York are a good National League side. I thought they were, but to be honest, I thought that Sean Clare and Tom Pierce at the fullback positions have run a little bit ragged at times. I thought Latty Fairweather was really good on the left was cutting across and we allowed him a bit too much space. And like you're saying with John Lewis there, if he'd uh, brought his shooting boots, I think that there could have been one or two very, very decent opportunities there for York and a more clinical striker puts him away. If I say it a little bit like Charlie Wyke against Tranmere, to be honest, where very similar, got into good positions, but just the finishing wasn't there. So John Lewis reminded me a bit of Wyke in that game. But yeah, York City, very, very good side. I expect them to be safe in the National League. Neil Adley's doing a, a pretty good job with him, I think. I think you nailed Woodyard having a really good game and being all over the pitch. He's a good player, for sure. I think Sean Maloney uh, showed how serious he is taking this competition with the team selection. Unchanged side from Tuesday night. Tickle, Clare, Reckitt, Hughes, Pierce, Smith, Adico, Jones, Godall, Lang, Humphreys. Statement in itself. Yeah, who'd have guessed that? 
I, th- I think we're all, everyone's trying to work out how many changes it's going to be. I don't think anybody went for zero. No, I'm glad he went with a with a full strength, and it was good to see McHugh and Johnny Smith on the bench as well because you're allowed nine subs, I think, in the FA Cup rather than the League Seven. So it was good to see them too involved. Substitutions: McHugh and McManaman for Pearson Jones on 85 minutes. Sean McGuinness for Langer Humphries on 90 plus four, and Johnny Smith for Marshall Goddard on 90 plus eight. One thing with those subs, which is a little bit strange for Maloney, I thought, very late in the game. I think that that kind of came from we hadn't looked that convincing and then if we'd have made subs, I think maybe there's a little anxiety of if it doesn't work, is that going to allow York City to come on to us? Because the last thing we needed there was a was a replay with our schedule. So I, it kind of reminded me of just stick with it, try and keep some kind of rhythm and, and try and keep on to that. 1-0 advantage, to be honest. But the Godo one was the only forced one, I think, because he got hurt in the in the Woodyard Challenge right at the end, which I hope is, is obviously nothing serious. It's interesting that you said keep the rhythm there, Charlie. I would say that subs that late in the game were absolutely the opposite, but in a different, cir- but, but in a different circumstance. I'm not saying you're wrong, because they were to disrupt the rhythm of York at that point in the game where they were pushing on looking for an equaliser, weren't they? And that, that stops them building any... Like, it reduced the momentum that they were able to build up. And, of course, McManaman should have finished it at the end, shouldn't he, when he was put through. Steve Yumpris was named Man of the Match by the BBC, but we don't take notice of what the BBC says here at the Progress with Unity because we do our own Man of the Match. And I've got to tell you, the voting on both Facebook and Twitter for our Man of the Match, in fact, went to Latics number 11, Stevie Humphreys. That's the York City game. So we've got over that hurdle. We made the draw for round three. Manchester United, uh, the DW Stadium, the first weekend of January. Fabulous draw. We was only one ball off pulling Manchester City as well, weren't we? Because they were out after United. <laughs> that would have definitely been an home win. 100%. Within seconds of the draw being made, Latix fans on Twitter calling for Manchester United to be given the East stand. What? Uh, exactly, Adam. What? Why don't we just say, uh, let's go and play to Old Trafford? We want that ground packed with our fans, not their fans. I don't want some Wigger, somebody from Scholes or Worcester Mains, who's a, a Manchester United supporter, sat in my seat in the East stand. I see the people who were calling for this are predominantly West Ham season ticket holders. I, they weren't saying let them come and sit in our seat in the West Ham. Oh no, give them the East Ham. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'll be I'll be more than disappointed if that happens. I'll yeah, be absolutely well, yeah. The issue that we've got, and we this if you remember this from the Premier League years, how is how is our club going to deal with the tickets in? So you could say booking records, then we'll have an half empty ground like against City, really. We were only 17,000 on against City. That should have been a full house. But there's so many United fans in Wigan, and probably, well, a lot more United and Liverpool fans in Wigan than Wigan fans. So how are we going to how are we gonna stop United fans being in our, our East Stand anyway? Because if we open the tickets to open sale, or even season ticket holders can buy four, well, what do you think some of them are going to do? They'll just buy them and sell them to the Man United mates. You know that first and first and second season, if the opposition and Man United did usually score against us, didn't they? Our players, apart from that brilliant night, they were they were cheering, weren't they? And then it causes a major police issue, then, doesn't it? 
you know, so I, it's a top. The club's going to have to have a good think about this. You know, take some advice. Probably going to be switched, isn't it, for TV? You think? But yeah, we need to have a think. But definitely not. We wouldn't. We should. We shouldn't be changing our uh, seating arrangements for for any club this no. day and age. You know, no. that's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's a competition that we're in. Play. We're playing them as as equals because we've qualified for the third round, just like they have. Why should we be giving them a bigger ticket allocation? All right, it might generate a little bit more money. But if we've got that crowd behind us on on the day or on the night, whenever they play it, you know, we we could actually have a chance of beating them. It's a game of football between, you know, two teams of 11 a side. Or even have a replay back to Old Trafford, we'll make even more money then. So, you know, let, let's think about Wigan as for a change. We've been through enough shit as supporters of this club without giving the Blinken East stand up. For a bunch it's of... not 1989, is it, Barry, no. when we, we had to play two games at Anfield no. because they well, were like Springfield Park? Why not do that if that's what they're bothering about, making money? Why not do switch it to Old Trafford? Yeah, they'll be mourning then, won't they? And I'll tell you what, if the clubbers had suggested this, there'd be an outcry on Twitter. And rightly so. For me, it's done me head in a little bit. I can't believe supporters of the club are, are asking to give a big allocation like that to Manchester United. I just can't believe it. After what we've been through, come on. Why don't we why don't we do it for Bolton as well? Why don't we do it for Bolton? Why don't we give them East stands? Why don't we just give them all ground and we can watch it on telly? Buy them all a pie while we're here, roll out the red carpet. Load of nonsense. Getting back to the draw itself, it's a, a very good draw that for us, financially. And yep. it's going to put us in the spotlight as well. So I think it's very good, that drop. Do you know the first thing I thought of? Sean Maloney. Yeah. The only winning goal against United. That's the first thing I thought of. I was saying before United, as a manager, he's going to tell his team that Wigan Athletic can beat United. Not a problem. I've been there. I've done it. And he's got all the credibility in the world, hasn't he? I'm really looking forward to this one because we've got a, a pretty decent run of games up to that point. I think we play, what, Port, uh, Port Vale in there maybe Carlisle in there as well Derby so we've got a few winnable games in there but United obviously they lost 1-0 to Newcastle yesterday up until our game they have to host Chelsea host Bournemouth host Bayern Munich go away to Liverpool (laughs) go away to West Ham host Aston Villa and then go away to Nottingham Forest and then they play us so they've got a terrible terrible run up until our game they're struggling with injuries they're obviously lacking in confidence and everything but when they play us, then they've got 12 days until the Tottenham game. But United, for me, they're just a team that lack a lot of confidence, a lot of fluidity in the game. And it's the sort of one where if they try and come and attack us, Wigan love that kind of game. And if you get Marshall Godo and Stephen Humphreys attacking their back line, then anything can happen in front of the DW. I'm, I'm very excited for that one. Manchester United, bring them on. That's all I can say. Bring them on. We all yeah. We owe them big style. We're talking already about this game, and it's it's uh, a month off. Just put it to one side for the time. Yeah, we we're getting too excited. Let's forget about them till next year. We'll talk about another side from Manchester, Stockport. Are they from Manchester? They're a city in their own right now, aren't they, Stockport? Stock, well, County even. Stockport County. Uh, on Wednesday evening, we will be facing Stockport County in the Bristol Street Motors EFL Trophy down at the DW Stadium. Charlie's got a little bit of information on Stockport. I do. Uh, they're actually a side that I used to go and watch quite a bit because when I used to play football when I was a kid, I used to live around Stockport. And so we used to get free tickets to be able to go to the the games as, as a football. But obviously, they're, they're doing well this season. League 2, the top of the table. They've played 20 games in League 2 this season, won 13 of them, drawn three, and lost just four. 
scored 40 goals, conceded 20, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see them in League One next season. They've been top of the table from about game week 10 onwards. And today as well, they've just been playing Aldershot Town away in the FA Cup second round. It was a 2-2 draw, so they're going to have to play a replay. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one because it's. I think it's going to be a lot of a, a bigger test than what York City was. Stockport are very attacking side, I think, like we just talked before, I think. York kind of got in behind us a few times and we need to cut that out against Stockport because they can punish us. Obviously, they've got Nick Powell, so obviously he's going to be a bit of a threat for us, but they've got a lot of top players in their side and a lot of them we will know. They've got a young Louis Barry, who I'm sure he went to Barcelona a long time ago. I'll say a long time ago, he's only young, but they've got Louis Barry, who scored nine goals for them in the league this season and got two assists. Isaac Aloafe who is a forward and he's got 14 goal contributions this season. 12 of them are goals. And obviously, like I say, Nick Powell, we all know his quality. And yeah, I think this is going to be a very, very exciting game, to be honest. Yeah, Dave Challoner, the manager, has been there quite a while as well, hasn't he? He's brought them up from the National League. He's done a decent job. He was there quite a while as a player as well, if I remember rightly. I think yeah. he had a long throw, didn't he? Yeah, was he one yeah. of them players with a long yeah, throw? Yeah, he was a, he was a Rory Dillap type player, wasn't he? <laughs> You got Paddy Madden playing up top as well, who's uh, been, been scoring a lot of goals in in the uh, EFL Trophy. Got that trick at Salford. Yeah, they had a pretty good uh, group stage as well. They got a one-one with United at home, but I think United won that one on on penalties. And then they went away and beat Salford. Obviously, the, the hat trick that you just mentioned, and they lost two 0 to Bolton. And Nick Powell played in that game as well. But I think they just managed to scrape through the group stage by the skin of their teeth in that second position. Um, but yeah, Wigan have obviously had a, a pretty decent run in the competition so far, so I'm pretty hopeful for this one. I saw, one thing I did notice about the the trophy games was their attendances have been quite good. They went they took six over six hundred to to Salford. And when you think about like the away attendances at the DW Stadium when we played in, you're talking of a handful of people, aren't you? I think Fleetwood had, had 22 when we played Fleetwood. Leicester had about 12. A couple of seasons ago, we played Shrewsbury in the quarterfinals. And I think they, they brought about 20 people that evening as well. So you suddenly think there's going to be 635 turning up. Maybe they'll open the North Stand, because that's where away supporters go at the DW Stadium, in the North Stand, not the well, East, but the well North. Well, East Stand. Well, <laughs> in East Stand. They better not do, because I'm sometimes sitting in the West Stand, and I hate sitting in that West Stand. Well, they, they sometimes put the away supporters in the West Stand, don't they, if there's few enough of them. I remember the um, Kazan, that was it. They were sat in the uh, West Stand in the corner. Mm, right, we'll have a ref watch then for Wednesday night for the early kickoff against Stockport. The referee will be the Berkshire official, Sonny Singill, and he is in his second season as a national list referee. He has been in charge of one Latics game in the past, and that was our trip to Burton earlier this season. We lost 2-1. He issued a late red card to Burton's Labala. And according to some bloke called Barry Worthington, he didn't have the best of games that night. What are you nodding for? I'm agreeing with you. All right. Right, it's card watch. Uh, Sonny Singill has taken charge of 20 games so far this season. He's issued 81 yellows, three reds, and he's awarded four penalty kicks. And that's Sonny Singill, who will take charge of the visit to Stockport to the DW on Wednesday for the early start. Thanks, Paul. We've met Stockport 25 times down the years, winning 14, drawing four and losing seven. Which surprises me. I always thought they were a bogey team. 
We've actually met them three times in the EFL Trophy under its different guise of the Autoglass Trophy, winning once at Springfield Park and losing the other two away at Edgeley Park. That solitary win was at Springy back in 93. It was the first leg of the Northern Area Final. I remember Wigan played really well that that day. We obviously got relegated that season, but I think a certain Kevin Francis broke our best player at the time, Dean Connolly's leg, if I, if I recall rightly. Uh, and then we were in the second leg, unfortunately, lost 2-0 and we missed out on our chance to Wembley. But we've been a few times since. We last met in 2002-03 in our fantastic title-winning season. We beat them 2-1 at the then JJB. Ellington and Roberts doing the business in October, then drawing the reverse fixture at Edgerton Park. 1-1, Jason DeBoss, it must have been a corner. Predictions. Oh, it's a difficult one, this, isn't it? Because we don't know what t- how the team's going to be putting out. Uh, we've not got a Stockport fan on because I think it's a bit early in the competition as well because, like us, they, they'd be struggling to tell us about who, who they're going to put out. He's been asked to see Nick Pole play. I don't think it'll go to penalties. Uh, I think we might shake the bag up a little bit because we've got a game, uh, a really important game on Saturday against Lincoln. I am going to. I still think we'll, we'll turn out winners. I'm going to go for a two-one Latics win. Yeah, I think I think I'll I'll go a little bit more boring and conservative. I mean, you would say that we're going to see changes, but after Friday, I'm not so sure. I still think we'll see some changes. Maybe maybe we'll see even more changes to sort of compensate for the ones we didn't see on Friday. Um, and I'll be more conservative. I'll just go with a one-nil to the Latics. Yeah, I've read somewhere as well that Stockport might be resting a few players here. And I've just looked and Louis Barry's actually not going to be fit in time for the game, I don't think, because he's not played since late October after coming off after 25 minutes. But Nick Powell's there, Paddy Madden's there, Kyle Wooten. They're going to still have strong selection there if if they do go with that. But I think hopefully Wigan can learn from defensive problems against York and do a little bit better in this one and put the game to bed. So I'm going to say 3-1. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this uh, this season in the we've taken every cup match seriously. We've put out a, uh, a team that can certainly win these type of matches, and we've seen the rise of the likes of Stones and Christie, who I think will probably start. And that's not a negative for me. I think they're good good players, excellent players developing. So we have got options off the bench uh, who can come into the squad. We'll still play a couple of our experienced players. I, I, I don't think Stockport are going to go strong at all. I'd be amazed if Nick Powell turns up um, when it's minus uh, minus 10. He's hamstring the goal after a second. So I'm going for a quite comfortable win, actually. I think we'll win it three now. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll look ahead to the Lincoln game and all the reaction to the Stockport game. So until then, it's been uh, great having your company and uh, we look forward to reacquainting next week. So up the ticks. Come on. I'll see you in the morning.